0: Good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we Al Mitchell from Circus of Power. How are you? I'm great. Good, good. I'm glad we could finally get, we could connect. We've had a little uh, challenges over the year to get together. Only like, it's been it's only been, like 30. I know, I know, but we have talked a little bit, and you, you got me turned on to the Gun Club, and some of the conversations gun club are great. worth it. Gun Club are great. I know they are. Mm-hmm. I know they are.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, we oh, I'm glad you like them, exactly. man. They're, they're, it's crazy people just don't know about some bands and uh that's a band that you got to know about they're just too important too good and jeffrey was um yeah i never heard of jeffrey was um a guy that was more than just your average rock dude you know he, he was um a uh, kind of a mad poet and uh street guy and the first time i met him was in a bar in new york and he walked in, he, he wore really weird clothes and had a, <laughs> just had a weird, strange style of dress, if you've ever seen pictures of him. And he walked, I said hello to him, I said, how's it going? He goes, good, if you don't mind your band breaking up on stage about 50 minutes ago. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> and that's the way he was, he was very volatile and a kid, kid Congo played with him from the Cramps and yep. um, Patricia Morrison from the Damned and like all, all kinds of people went through that band. The basic gun club band was great. The um, original bass player and drummer and they're just really, really good. Those guys are mad. Those guys are angry. You know, there's a good documentary on on, on them. They just, you know, I mean, Jeffrey was really hard to deal with. He was a, you know, a drunk and a drug addict and a, and a madman and, you know, and um, I get it. It's 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 hard to deal with people like that. People will tell you, I'm hard to deal with, you know, they might like me, but I'm hard to deal with. And, um, so I get it. You you know, know those that? guys I have a hard, are hard mo-
0: time tracking you down.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm better now <laughs> to be believe me, but, um, but the guys are, are more, they're more of a sober. I don't, I don't mean sober when it comes to drinking the bass player and the drummer. I, I knew their names, but now I'm spacing out on They're um, they just want to play, you know, they just want to like, be in a band and play they don't want to go through the bullshit of where's our singer you know it's we should have on a stage 15 minutes ago and all the crap and i get it you know um but at the same time they got in a band that that's iconic and it will be that way forever and so you can't trade in you know look if if we're you're born into this if if, if it's just going to be a straight ride down the highway with no potholes and no one trying to fucking run you over it'll be boring Life will be boring. So, you know, that's that's the way it is.
0: Well, oh, and that's the thing. I mean, most most singers or most artists that are, like, here for a short period of time and they usually burn out have some kind yeah. of struggle as it is. I and mean, usually the struggle is what becomes their art, but sometimes it becomes too much. And they yeah, I
1: mean, like, it, the struggle in his case was, was dope, you know, was heroin. Uh, and then so once that stuff has, is claws in you, man, you're fucked. You know, I know very few people that have gotten out of that um, and, and have led a, a good life, you know, and just not been haunted and tortured by it for the rest of their fucking life. It's it's brutal. It's just really, you know, it got to him and he could. And if you've got an addictive personality and you're kind of a nut to begin with and then and then you start getting into drugs, that's where the trouble starts. And that's where the trouble was for me, too. Not with that stuff, but with other drugs.
0: Yeah, well, luckily you cleaned yourself up enough that you're uh, <laughs> somewhat. So you're thinking and you're you're writing, you're you're doing music, best music ever. Yeah, um, I've love you guys
1: since. Yeah, I'm productive. I, I got a lot of shit going on. I have I have more stuff going on right now than I ever had in my life. Like if I didn't have to work right now, I still wouldn't have time in the day to get to all all the stuff I'm doing. Um, That's got cool. a book out tonight, and another one I'm working on. Um, a comic strip, which is a lot of fucking work. I'm I'm doing, I have an illustrator, but I'm doing all the voices and the music for it, and and like doing like ten different characters. And the band's got a, um, an LP coming out, and we're recording an, uh, an EP this weekend, over in Compton, in some crazy studio in Compton. So, so what, you I'm, do an EP, and then yeah. you do an
0: LP after that? Are uh, the songs going to be a carryover? No, LP, LP's P's or... coming
1: out now, and then the EP is going to be recorded on Sunday. Oh wow! Got doing five originals that we we wrote over the last month or so, and then okay, with, with us, man, it's like if we don't have, we're like need to have the carrot in front of our nose, or like everybody else, we'll, we'll sit around and watch the fucking fly on the wall. So if like if, I just booked the time, and just said I said okay, so then I booked the time, so we need to write some songs. That was about six weeks ago, and we just like laid into it. And wrote a bunch of cool stuff. Um and so and we're also thinking of, uh we're gonna do a cover song or two also. I'm not sure which one, but Jesus. I'm leaning towards I'm leaning towards Warwick Avenue today at least. You know that song?
0: No, I don't actually.
1: It was by Duffy, it's a beautiful uh like soul Otis Redding kind of vibe, uh, you know. do you know who she is? Yes, I do. Okay, yes, so okay. she's got a she's got a really troubled uh, past, at least for the last ten years. I don't know if you know what happened to sure. her. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. And it's not something that I mean, without getting deeply into all that kind of shit, it's kind of a, it's a really depressing story. But um, <laughs> that kind of stuff happens to people, man. Like that fucking guy that the what's the guy that that killed himself in the cell, supposedly. That that fucking guy Epstein, who obviously was oh, murdered. Yeah. Because he had oh, yeah. dirt on everybody, including that fucking that member of the, of the monarchy. Who was that guy that that we hit was on the island? Not Charles, oh, one of those guys.
0: oh, oh the Prince William? Yeah. Prince so William.
1: yeah. So if, so if he can do it, those girls on that island were underage. They're fucking too afraid to come forward. A lot of them. It's 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 bad, man. If you're a woman, you you go through some, not just being raped, but if you're fucking abducted and held prisoner and all that. And it's insane, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing what she's going through. And so I hope Duffy puts out more music. I'm on her team, you know, and I, so we might do a song. On living in, living I don't in, we might not. <laughs> I was brought up in a musical household. So I was listening to, to when I was four years old, you know, my parents were playing Tom Jones and Engelbert Humperdinck and, and the Beatles and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Fractionatra and all that stuff. And I like all that stuff. I love all that um, stuff. The the glory days for Tom were where with 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 the tight pants and the sideburns and the women throwing the panties and bras at him, you know. Um that's what I was brought up on those days. And on TV they had that too, which is really funny. Uh because yeah. they used to censor almost everything and they that you know, they somehow he got away with it. But um and also, you know, I had this my father had a huge family, like nine brothers and one sister, and they're both my mom and dad were scottish off the boat you know brought up in toronto uh, my early years in toronto and my my uncle uh lived down in the basement and um you know he's like 19 and um i'm not sure but i think he pretty much uh corrupted me for the rest of my life he had a triumph motorcycle and you know he he I'd see naked women down there and you know he smoked weed and, and all that but he the music was the most thing i got out of it he was listening to creed clearwater and janice joplin and the guess who and that kind of stuff and i was into it man when i was you know eight nine years old i was into it um loved all that stuff my favorite band at that age was was credence you know it wasn't the archies and it wasn't that you know that kind of thing i was into to really kind of good music when i was really young
0: do you remember your first song that you loved
1: no, but the first record I have I have a picture of me with um with a when I had the measles uh, in Toronto and and I'm clutching my Paul McCartney uh pillow and my Beatles 65 record. Which, that was the first record that I got. I had a a turntable in my room and I was crazy about the Beatles. The first time I heard the Beatles uh was I was I was outside of my my aunt was babysitting me. And um, you know what tops are? Those those toys.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. They might have a different name from. They're, they're shaped like a pyramid, a round pyramid, and you put a string around them. You pull yep. and they spin on like a. You know, this, I don't know how good they do nowadays, but like that was a big thrill for <laughs> me, yeah. you know. Um, with the Hasbro days of, anyways, I was out there on the, on the porch and these three girls, I'll never forget, with hip hugger kind of pants on, and they're all dressed in white. The three of them. They looked like Manson girls almost, I guess, if I look back on it now. But um, <laughs> they were walking down the street to- towards me, holding hands and singing um, She Loves You by the Beatles. And I was just like, what the fuck? You know, uh, they were beautiful and ethereal and weird. And and then I was like, I, that's the first Beatles thing I heard, even before I heard it on the radio.
0: So the LP, when it, that's the full band too? So you, so you already... What's the deal
1: with that it's going out oh. uh, it's, it should be out now, but I don't know when it's coming out like weeks this that um it's called old uh, old dogs and new tricks, so that's coming out um, I just don't know when, and then um and then we're doing this this e p also this weekend uh so I mean I, yeah, hopefully you know next week, something like that, compared up. to what everybody else does like n- none of the old bands make uh new music hardly you know, Junkyard is, and Little Caesars, but like a lot of the bands that were really famous in, in the late 80s that were our peers, whatever you want to call them, do not make new music, you know, and I don't even see the point of being in a band if you're not making new music. Like I'd never go see yeah. a band, uh, you know, like when I go to see the see the dance play, they always do a new song. They have a great song that came out like two years ago, and, and that's good enough for me. If at least you're doing one great new song, I'm down. I'll go play it. Pay the money and watch you uh, do smash it up and neat 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 and all those other songs too, but if you're just gonna uh, parade out you know the, your first record from 1988, I'm not going to see it. I don't care who the fuck you are, I'm not going to see it. Not going to happen, you know. And Motorhead was making new music all the way till he he died. You know, he wasn't just going out and, and yeah. doing the Love You Like a Reptile and Ace of Spades in the first record, which is the best record. That one and Iron Fist are the best records. Overkill too. You know, they made a bunch of records after that that were okay but not great. But he's, I like that he was doing new music. Otherwise, I'm not going to go fucking see you. If you're not going to be relevant and and now and and today, then what's the point? I don't care how old you are. Like, you know, Neil Young still makes new songs. He's fucking 70, what, 75 or something? So, you know, I, I just can't, you know. Look, I've been buying Rolling Stone records, you know, since they came out, right? Not the new ones, but up until fucking Tattoo You. I'm buying all their records and buying their fucking tongues on the t-shirts and all their shit. So now, right. when I'm an older guy, you want to charge me a thousand dollars to fucking come see you? Fuck you! Yeah. You know that's not that's not a rebellious Keith Richards behavior in my book. That's a bunch of bullshit, and I don't care how much your screen costs in your video and in your production. I don't care. You know, you should be footing the bill on this one, man, and, and taking care of all the people that support. Could you go to those shows? I don't go, but like, it, out of the sixty, seventy thousand people that go see the Stones, half those people are over fifty or more. You know, and those are the people you should be taking care of. In, in my book, that's that's what you should do. I'm working class. I'm ranted. I'm the Clash. I'm punk rock guy. You know, I, you got to take care of your people, always, till the end.
0: I agree. I think what's happening is that a lot of those people of the age now, their kids are gone, they all have disposable income, you know, they got money now that they can I guess but out, out, of out of principle
1: out of principle I'm principle not doing life. it. Even if I'm rich. Even if I'm rich, okay, I'm not okay. I'm just not doing it. And the like Uh change. you know when the stones change for me? Hmm. When they
0: wore those and suits for the Harlem shuffle. Uh That's yeah, what you know, weird. That's when they started changing. Mm-hmm. That, to me that was the point where I thought Things are getting a little bit more less
1: dangerous and more commercial. Like they're yeah. I mean, I don't I don't time. need them. To, I don't need them to be dangerous. Some of the stuff on Tattoo You is great. Waiting for a friend is great. You know, yeah. uh, start me up's great. You know, but you, you can't. I know what you're saying you got to have, you got to have even you got to bring it in some in some way, shape, or form. You have got to bring it, even if you're going to do an, a record that's all soul songs, but you cover songs by Sam and Dave and Al Green and Mark. I'm good with that. Do that. You know, but do something and um, to be, you know, relevant and good and, and and new.
0: I hear you that one. I hear you. So, with all this stuff that's been going on with you, and you probably with all the EPs. I'm trying to think, like, EPs, but you've probably done almost more with this this version of the band, almost at this point. You're getting close to than with the original. About versions, the same. Yeah. As as yeah. Example, yeah. You're getting close
1: to it. More. More happened in a shorter time with the band originally. And that's just, you know, uh, the way it was back then. But, um, if I had my way, like if I had, if cause I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing and, and writing some good stuff and making, you know, I'm totally obsessed with being creative and, it, it, and not on purpose. It's just, for some reason, especially this year, this past year in my life, I've been a day doesn't go by when I, I don't like, I have this new way of doing things and it's from riding my motorcycle and being in the habit of riding every day, which is makes you on one hand, completely insane because it's so fucking dangerous and uh, at the launch. Um, and then another way is very Zen-like and when I'm riding and this happens in the morning, this is, this is where I get all my ideas. This is a true story. I go into work at this guy's house, this eccentric guy in Hollywood who uh, we could do a whole show just on his house. He's got a lot of oh, money, yeah. and he themed out his house. on, on uh, Every room is a different theme. Um, well, his garage is like the Batcave from the 60s Batcave uh, uh, Batman series with like a, a stalactite foam side. Oh, wow. coming down, the back computer and everything. Okay. No, okay. no, 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 no. Everything's copy. Everything's Hollywood shit, you know. But it, the house oh, like is just fun. insane. But anyways, um, on my way there in the morning, I take the 101, which is the death freeway. And I ride hard and loud and fast, so people know, you can hear me, and um, almost get clipped at least once or twice a week, and um, haven't become religious yet because of it. And I get off of Coldwater Canyon, and then I go up Coldwater Canyon until you get to Mulholland, and it's a beautiful drive from Mulho- from Coldwater Canyon to Laurel Canyon on Mulholland. Now, for yeah. some reason... And my friends that I go to work with sometimes knows this because there's this little stretch of road. It's about 300 yards long. This place called Laurel uh, Laurel Hills, where this small stretch of houses are. For some reason, in those that hundred yards or so, that's where I come up with all my ideas. That's where I came up with the idea for Johnny Strangehead, this comic uh, thing I'm coming out with for songs. Yeah. Everything happens for me, and I don't know why. It didn't just happen once or twice. It happened three or four times, and so, um, anyways, <laughs> as long as I keep taking that road from now until I die, I'll have creative things coming up. I hope. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's Isn't pretty that weird amazing. though? Isn't that really weird? It is. And it's almost in, it's almost in the same like exact spot, like given or give or take twenty or thirty feet, where I come up with the ideas, like for some of the new songs, for uh, parts in the book. And for the entire Johnny Strangehead thing came at me just at once when I was up there. So Johnny Strangehead is this comic that I'm coming out with, a comic strip. My friend Todd Weiss in Florida is illustrating it. It's on my Facebook page, like the first page of of the comic, Al Mitchell is my Facebook page. And um, it's about a kid that's eight feet tall, and he has uh, like a little seven-inch head. uh, He lives next to a 5G place in in a chemical plant in Florida where kids are getting deformed in this particular school. And um okay. so he's kind of a mutant and he's bullied and um he doesn't understand hate. He's sort of he's not autistic but he's he's a, sort of like a special needs kid um okay. and who 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 gets superpowers. And um that's all I can really want to give out about it now because it's got a lot of different characters in it but it's cool and I do the it's got kind of punk rock music in it and um, hip-hop music and all original stuff. And then uh, I do all the voices and everything. And my friend Todd is just a great illustrator. So it's on the lo- along the lines of something you'd see on Adult Swim or in Twisted Comics, if you're familiar with that uh, stuff. So, uh, that's yeah. what I'm doing. You know, That is a lot more work than I thought it would be, although I'm not illustrating it. Uh, it's still a lot of work. Do you ever heard of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac? No. I haven't. A it's a cartoon. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a comic from the nineties, which is totally kind of got me into like one day I wanted to do a, a comic that was over 20 years ago, but like one day I wanted to do a comic. That was the first time I saw something that I could, underground that I can really relate to. So anyways, next question. I got to blab <laughs> all fucking day. If you don't stop me, what
0: are you going to do it. Is it can be a, uh, a one-off. Like Johnny, Johnny, like the homicide?
1: homicidal maniac is, is great because it's super intelligent And violent as shit, which is a weird combination. He's sort of uh, like—I don't know if you ever read the Marquis de Sade stuff. Yeah. Are you with me on that one? Forty Days of Sodom and all that shit. I am with you because it's funny. Some of that stuff's really funny, and it's biblical, and it's you know, it's um, it's self-deprecating, and uh, all that stuff, and violent, and and sick, and crazy, and sewing up assholes and stuff like that at the same time, and um. So Johnny's homicidal maniac is check it out. It's fantastic. You'll like it. I'm looking Mine at the guys as we talked
0: about. I pulled it up. It's, the graphics are oh, great. Okay.
1: Yeah, the graphics are great. Yeah, it's kind of Tim Burton-esque, like a lot of shit was in the '90s. You know, real splashy, yeah. like that guy that did yeah. Hunter S. Thompson's uh, artwork, really splashy, like I forget that guy's name. Um, but it's funny, man. It is great. Um, so yeah, um, but my my comic is more superhero-ish and more more hippie and punk and, and, uh, you know, solution to like the, the town that he lives in Johnny Strangehead, is split down the middle. It's, there's a blue section and a red section in, in town. So, you know, um, and the, and the, the boys from the, from the red section obviously are Republicans and they have machine guns on their uh, pickup trucks and stuff like that. Everything's super over the top <laughs> and,
0: can you share what are you doing to this guy's house? Are you like doing? Were you building? Are you creating? Are you you see you work at this to do what? Crazy, crazy house? I don't oh, know. I just so make you, you know, I, I
1: do like carpentry and you know, tile work or um, you know, I just kind of oversaw the job for a while. It's a thing of um, it, the house belongs a guy that wanted to sleep with Greta Garbo in night, late 20s, um, built you know, guy that had a lot of money and wanted to to you know have sex with her built this house for it's up on the old hollywood boulevard up, up by like uh i don't know if you know hollywood up by king's road back in the hills in this beautiful gorgeous house he had made for her. i don't even think she ever moved in there but the house has an interesting history um the woman that lived there that died about five years ago who was crazy batshit crazy like UFOs and CIA and all that stuff, crazy, totally like nice person, all that, but like whacked. Um, she lived there and uh, it's had a kind of a storied history. And the guy that's renovating it now is just it's crazy on the inside. I should have sent you some pictures, but it's, it's kind of private. I don't want to, you know, show the guy inside of the guy's house, but it's insane. It's, yeah, it's. it's it, Yeah, it's like uh, he has a room, just like a um, cabaret kind of room, has a stage built in, uh, $30,000 worth of lights, another $20,000 worth of sound system, uh, a stage with a a runway that pulls out from the bottom of the stage. And uh, he does like, you know, like private kind of crazy shows with chicks and stuff like in top hats and cabaret types. And (laughs) there's a whole other, you know, Bob Fosse kind of shit. There's a whole other world. Uh, like, he's a guy, he's an interesting guy, one of the most interesting guys I've ever met. He's kind of a cross between Warhol and Bob Fosse and, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Fellini. Uh, really Fellini, maybe, you know, uh, an interesting guy. He's super, super educated, and he's um he's an inventor. He invented uh, something, I'm not going to say, but it's a, something in a lighting business. They made a, a fuckload of money on it. In two years, he made, like, fucking 60 million bucks. Um, good for him him, yes and what's inspired? he's different than than we are he's not like uh he's just different but um he's not a street guy you know what i mean he's not like put your arm around you and go what the fuck are you doing guy he's not that guy yeah but he's um i've been inspired by the way he does things which is extremely efficient he doesn't, he doesn't operate at 80%. He operates at a hundred at, at all times. You know, if you're a scientist or somebody that makes things, that's the way you have to be. You have to, yeah. you have to quality control things uh, until they drive you out of your mind. Because once they're on the market and they're selling, they, they can't come back to you because one of the switches doesn't work or something. You know what I mean? So he's that guy. And I've never met anybody like that before who has to be that way. So it's in a way inspired me in, in some of the stuff I do.
0: Oh well, obviously it's kind of like rub off on you. The the uh the comic you're doing is it going to be like a
1: a series or like a novel comic? It's going to be no. well what what I want to do man is a cartoon. But you know cartoons are a lot of money and you have to have the right team in place and even if like they're more doable than they used to be because of uh software and YouTube yeah. and you know you could just fucking go on there and to an extent you can learn how to do it on your own but it's not going to be great. You need some guy that that's, does that either for a living or, you know, is really good at it. So it was going to be a cartoon, and I was like, oh, boy, I can't do this. But, um, for example, Johnny, Street, uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac is on YouTube now as a cartoon. I don't like it as much as the comic strip, which is really weird. I, you'd think I would, but I don't think it's as good as a comic strip. It just plays better to me as a comic. Um, so what I decided to do was to do like the Sunday comics, just to do, to get started, get it on YouTube and do like two things. It'll, it'll be five frames. Just like when you read the su- Sunday comics, I don't even know if they still yeah. have them out on Sunday. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I don't even know if they do so, it. I didn't do okay. for years. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's five. So it'll be, it'll be five blocks, five frames of things happening with Johnny strange head, you know, the origin kind of thing. and, They'll be they'll be captioned like a cartoon like a um, like a comic book is the, the bubble above it that says what he's saying. But I'll also right. be doing the voices and there'll be music. Our guitar player is doing done some separate music that's just psychotic kind of mm, sounds that might be in Johnny Strangehead's head. So it'll be it'll be a few things working at once. It won't be a typical, um, but it, it'll be an onslaught visually and orally i don't mean orally like in your mouth i mean orally like in your ears
0: so like an audio <laughs> you can do whatever you want with your mouth good. when I you're watching it out. i don't care but uh um, like a whole different subject but to play along get, with it like you
1: mean yes yeah the audio play along with it it'll be music and and me doing all the vocalizations and um it's gonna be, uh, yeah i think it's gonna be really good yeah i'm pretty psyched about it. It is out of left field for me. I just came up with it when I was driving up in that stupid fucking area at the top of Mulholland. One day I was like Johnny Strangehead. That's it. Okay, comic book. Okay, he's eight foot tall. He's got a little fucking seven inch head. He's deformed, but he's he does have a bad bone in his body. I started developing the, the character within fifteen seconds I had it all figured out. You know, um he doesn't understand hate, you know, so you can throw shit at him and beat him. he he does he's like Jesus, you know, he doesn't he just wants to make uh everything he wants to turn the other cheek. When
0: you, you know? How often are you guys playing out now?
1: Well, we're playing um, the whiskey with Little Caesar November 12th. Um, we had some other things booked on the East Coast that we had to uh, step out of, but we're not playing that much. We'd like to, um, and that's sort of like what we're trying to get going. We just got to management, so we're trying to get that happening for the winter time and for the coming year.
0: That'd be cool see see you, you guys actually get to play a couple spots, you know, outside of California. Yeah.
1: Where are you, yeah. man? I mean, Where you are know, you?
0: Outside of New-, New England. I'm outside of New York. I mean, today I get... Okay, so, yeah. yeah.
1: it's
0: right up there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll be out there. Um, but I'm it's like good right for us Boston. in the
1: meantime. Yeah. What's
0: that? I said right between Boston and New York, actually, time-wise. Between oh, Okay.
1: Okay. Oh, Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut's great. Yeah, we need to come out and do Philly, do New York, and uh, do Boston, and 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 that kind of thing. It's a, I love the East Coast. I love the people there and the, and the fans there are fantastic. So yeah, as soon as we can, we'll be there. But for me, I'm you know I'm more of an obsessed guy when it comes to uh, making things. You know, I mean that's what I liked about the Clash is they're always in the studio, always. I didn't know about that yeah. until I started you know following up on them. Joe Sharma and those guys are always creating new music. You look at the amount of shit they did in the first three or four years, it's pretty staggering. Um,
0: it is. Especially like, you know, dumb, like, you know when London bad. Calling,
1: oh. yeah. So I want to be like that. Beatles, too. They just said, fuck playing live, too." Let's just make records. And, you know, yep. I get that. I mean, I, I do want to play live, but I understood what the Beatles wanted to do. They, If you look at what those guys did in six fucking years, man, it's staggering. Staggering how many records they put out. pretty great records they put out in six years. And I'm a big fan of the stones and the stones were more of a thing that you could, yeah, love the albums, but you got to watch them play live. They were good live too. You know, and You had this, this guy, this lead singer guy that was very entertaining. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to be, I want to be making music all the time. Putting out music is what I'd like to do. I remember when London calling came out, you know, and I, you heard the first two clash records and London calling came out and I heard lost in the supermarket and waiting for the clampdown. Death. Or gro- all these songs that weren't straight up punk songs—they're great, though, you know. And I just thought I was just blown away. To me, it was like the Beatles' White Album. You know, there was just all these different kinds of music on there, and I just found it to be really interesting. Same way, uh, same way. Susie and the Banshees interest me. I, that's one of my favorite bands. I think they're just so great.
0: Little Caesar. Little Caesar's been playing a lot. They actually—I think they're in Europe, right? Are they coming back? It's just good to see. I think they're there right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Been, yeah been, Ron's a great, great guy. I don't know the rest of the guys, oh, but yeah. I know Ron. He's a great guy and um, the real deal. And I'm looking forward to playing shows with them. We, we, I hope we, hopefully, we may end up playing, playing a lot of shows with them. Oh, I so, yeah, you we'll guys are a lot alike. You
0: and Ron are a lot like. I just to Hey man, yeah, I'd also like to open love, for Social Distortion.
1: Ron. Yeah, I'd also like to open for fucking Social Distortion. I'd have no problem opening up for those those guys, and I think we do well in front of their crowd too. Even. You know, though we're not a straight-up punk band, we're kind of in between that and a regular rock band. We're not a regular rock band. We're not AC/DC. We're not Guns N' Roses. We're not anything like, – we're not We're not bands, but we're not that. We're definitely a left-of-center, you know, uh, we're more like the replacements than, than we are uh, like a traditional rock band. You know, we're not like Faster Pussycat. We're not like any of those bands. Like I said, all those yeah. bands are great and all that, but we're not like that. We're we're uh,
0: came out vices. Has, you, you were the
1: right. songs vices have nothing to do with any of that kind of music. You know, it's just a weird bluesy metal riff. I don't know where that came from, but because I don't know anyone else that does anything like that. But I want to stick to those guns and kind of keep, continue to make music that's um, interesting and um, you know, not not cookie cutter kind of stuff. I, I want to do stuff that's really kind of pushes the envelope.
0: Well, there's not a lot of bands left like you. I mean, Raging Slab. No. And I know you talk about this, Masters of Reality. I love them. Have to that.
1: Slab's been um, down. Slab hasn't played for years though. And at least died. And, you know, those guys, man, not been, this, while I'm on here, I might as well mention, because anyone that's, that hasn't heard Raging Slab, go pick up the first record on RCA. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And if you can, Get your hands on the EP called True Death, and it's four songs. Two of them are on the the uh first RCA record, get off my jollies and another one I can't remember. But that song that, that EP is crazy. No one sounds like that, no one has since. And um, same with the first record. Uh Greg and those guys, and Elise, very talented, very talented. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we first we used to play with them. And the first time I saw them and heard them all these weird time signatures and uh, weird. She used to turn tune her slide into all these weird tunings, open tunings and things. And I just found it fascinating. Just like what? And same when we We're talking about uh master of reality. We played some shows with masters of reality and uh, which is another band people should dig on, man. If oh they haven't God, get yeah, that so, first record. So
0: awesome. Yeah. It's oh. amazing.
1: And yeah. um, with Chris Goss and Chris Goss, uh, I think produced it, and he's in the band, but I think he produced it too, or Rick Rubin did. I, I don't know, but it's a great record. And um, we played some shows. We played like a half dozen shows with and Chains and Masters of Reality. And uh, Alison Chains were at, at right before. Like Lane was just you know in bad shape at that point, just you know bad shape. And so they pulled the plug on the tour after about five or six shows because he needed to get some things together. But um, uh, Ginger Baker was playing drums from from Cream yep. and uh, for Masters of Reality, and a, very, a real character uh, that guy too. Um, uh, <laughs> he's a maniac. Yeah. Uh, he's a maniac. Yeah, I don't know. He's, you know, he's got a good side and a bad side. The bad side's not not good, and the the, the good side is not bad. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's um who
0: played with him. He's crazy on tour. I tell you that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, but for me, man, for me, like, I I don't play an instrument, really. I play a little guitar, and, you know, I could probably keep a beat on drums and a little harmonica and stuff, but I'm fascinated with people that are uh, virtuosos. Like, he plays with both hands and both feet doing different things. Like, his brain separates. Uh, Like, when Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix could play lead and sing something that was completely, had nothing to do with, with that he didn't fit with. It's right, no doing shit that was le- left side of your brain, right side of your brain stuff that's really hard to do. So you're either gifted with it or you're not, or you have to painfully try and learn how to do it. It's not easy. Um, anyways, yeah. you know, watching Ginger Baker play with those guys was, I would just sit and watch them. And, because it was just, uh, you're watching a master play the drums. Uh, you know, The same way John Coltrane played his saxophone and... Jeff Beck plays his guitar. They, you know, it's the same way. Sound, but um, I know that Lane was a monster of a singer. For a, a guy that weighed 110 pounds, oh my God! Yeah, you know. And I have to tell you because I, I hung around those guys for a little while. And I was friends with Jerry for a while, and, and when Lane was still alive, and I watched them record some of the Dirt record, because it was across the street from this bar I used to go to in Hollywood called Cat uh, Cat and the Fiddle. This uh, you know English bar. And uh, they recorded the studio that Marvin Gaye used to have in the late 60s, early 70s on on Sunset Boulevard right there. Anyways, I went over there one day when he was doing, oh, I forget which song. It might have been the first song. Ah, them bones. Yeah. And, you know, wow. Like, it takes me a while usually to get a simple vocal down. And, and his vocals are not simple, but much more effortlessly. Uh, great singer. And also Jerry, you know, who played on one of our songs. One of our songs is on Beavis and Butthead. It's called Heaven and Hell. And Jerry plays on it. Yeah. And when Jerry came in the studio to work with us, it was like, oh, here's this middle fifth harmony that he's going to do here that, you know, oh, he just got it on his first take. Uh, oh, wow. And then, like, very talented guy, man. Very talented. And Ian Asbury came in and worked with us, too, on a song. And Ian, Ian was just could stand back from the mic on like a foot off the mic, 18 inches off the mic and just powerful singer, man. Wow. You know, uh, just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by the people that are so talented. I went to see BB B. King play in New York one time at the Ritz, you know, whatever, uh, 3000 seater or something like that capacity, yeah. something like that. And he sang off the mic, like two feet he barely used a PA and he just had this voice that filled this auditorium. And I was just like, oh my God. Uh, you know, wow. I'm limited in talent as far as singing goes and all that stuff. I know that. So I have to kind of work twice as hard and make, to make things good, you know, but the, but luckily, uh, luckily the people that I look up to and uh, as far as musicians and singers and stuff like that are the cream of the crop, you know, those are the guys that, that rule the football field. So I, if I'm just lucky to get on the field with them, uh, then I'm, I'm I'm happy. I'm good.
0: Well, you've been doing some killer stuff. I mean, and and you're actually doing your music is maybe the uh, the outside of it. But I realize it, but your songwriting is it's getting better and, it, and it's varying
1: even more now. Like Yeah, I think different. so. Yeah. Now, if I just heard, get it. some people to hear our band, <laughs> you know, we're still like a small band. And um, like we couldn't pick up the pieces uh, like a like a, like uh, Patrick Pussycat Cat and Ellie Guns and, and those bands and just like all of a sudden you know have this uh, we never had the following that those guys had much less the bigger bands like Guns N' Roses and all that because I think we should have but we but we didn't and don't yet but like that's one of the reasons I'm still doing it is because because that's what I want. And I want to be. I want to do shows in front of those bands, in front of the Cult, in front of the Guns and Roses, and all those guys, because um, we deserve to be. And like you said, our the stuff we're coming up with now is pretty fucking good. And so you know, at the end of the day, man, you make music and you make comic books and you write books for yourself and for you know for your in, in the band situation for your buddies that you're in the band with for those guys those other four guys that you're in the room with downtown whacking yeah. out songs and writing and all that. That's why you do it. And and also because someday if a guy like um, uh, Lemmy comes up to you and goes, all you, I saw you said, it was brilliant, then that's what you live for. Or if a guy that comes up to you that was in Iraq and goes, oh, dude, listen, thank God I had your record there your first album, yeah, uh, you know, that's even better. when I hear that, man, I, I melt, you know, I was just like, oh, dude, please, 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 uh, you know, I thank you. I'm, I'm grateful for you. Don't, don't, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, there's a bunch of reasons we do it, but th- those are two examples.
0: I'll, uh, but I want to say it's like, uh, you know, even your, your recent, uh, the EP, the, uh the yeah. process of illumination, like, Love, Love Machines, and, and Save the American Wolf, I love scene. Save the American Wolf.
1: I think it's one of the best songs we ever did. Uh, you know who I wrote that it. song with? No.
0: You know
1: who I wrote the song with, right? No, I no.
0: don't.
1: Bramp York from Caius. Right. Bramp York, yeah. Um, I met Nick from Queens of the Stone Age, who is a friend of mine and a total fucking maniac. Yeah. That's, that's a whole other show. <laughs> 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 but a uh, cool. fucking troublemaker, that guy is. Uh, I love him, though. And he's a, he is a great guy. I'll tell you something about Nick. And when I met those guys, they're really like, well, we talk about like White Snake records and shit. You know, not like you think we're going to talk about like some hardcore G.G. Allen shit. No, 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 no. Talk about music, yeah. man. We talk about Snake and we talk about the Mahavishnu Orchestra and we talk about, you know, Miles Davis and shit like that. Um, but I met Brant Bjork through him. Brant Bjork plays drums on on the record four, the one we put out a few years ago. On the whole yep. thing yep. so we called he left me a, a cd a scratchy cd that skipped all over the place because i kept it in my car and it got off mangled and one song mm-hmm. remained good and that was "Save the american wolf and so um for me i'm uh, i was, was kind of involved at the time in a at a um volunteering at a wolf sanctuary um kind of uh think those animals are, are really important and and same with the buffalo and and, and and all the other animals that have been fucked with to the point of being almost extinct the the fucking bald eagle that's a symbol of the country you know, I know. grizzly bears and I know it's on the fucking california flag there are no grizzlies <laughs> in california anymore man you know i mean I, i'm i'm with the critters and so uh, I, i'm and love wolves and so uh, that song was a, a Ah, but it's really kind of a poppy punk song that, that, that like song a, a punk song or something like that.
0: I really loved the beat on that one. I love the different tone of your yeah. bass. I, I love, I, I really thought it was. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. It was. It was Thank like, you. Oh, yeah. We're, we're like, kind
1: of, we're kind of playing in a vacuum. <laughs> I mean, I think that song should be out there and heard by a bunch of people. So oh, yeah. and maybe someday it will, man. You know,
0: You to, yeah keep that out there. I mean, I'd love to see you keep doing stuff where you're, you're experimenting with the sounds and you're, you know. Don't be afraid of the pop sounds because you've got a good voice. Oh yeah! And it's so serious and it's so deep that you could it it does like it, it does like what, what one of my favorite songs.
1: That, one of my favorite songs we do is called Dreams Tonight. It's off the Magic and Madness, mm-hmm. Madness record, which is the last yeah. band uh, record we did as the original band, sort of different different drummer. But um, and that song I wrote it with my friend Joey Maya, who's uh was the original drummer for Circus, and it's like a Sinatra song more than it is a rock and roll song. It's a crooning kind of song or like something even more. you might do. But that's one of my favorite Circus of Power songs. It's funny because I posted it by accident. Not by accident, but like just for the fuck of it about two months ago. And immediately it had more response than anything I've put up there <laughs> musically, you know? And I was like, wow. You know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, why aren't you doing this song? And why is there a video for this? I was like, oh, well, you know, Jesus, you know, I've got a bunch of songs on my plate and now I've got this one too. That's good.
0: Yeah. I think people like the left turns. I think, and you've got a good voice that goes, with you're not... Ah, it's so fresh. It's so refreshing, because it sounds like nothing out there right now. You know? Your
1: voice... Yeah, is, so, is they, you know, different. thank you. Yeah, like, I don't... You know, I'm not tooting my horn here or anything. I'm just... Because uh, I'm I'm pretty much as self-deprecating as you can get, especially if, after I've had a few drinks. I mean, I just... <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm lucky to be... I'm lucky to have the guys that play in, in, in the band that I'm with right now. I was lucky to have uh, the original Circus of Power guys and uh, rest in peace, Ryan, our drummer, yeah. uh, my great my great friend. And um, just lucky, man, because like, I'm not a guy that can come out there. I don't have the chops that Chris Cornell has, you know? Uh, so I'm lucky to have these guys around me that are really good, you know? And they were really good in the original band and really good now. And so I'm um, lucky to have these guys. Um, makes my thing a lot easier and, you know,
0: yeah. I do want to say uh what what, what, what think back to Magic and Madness. My jam off that album yeah. when it came out was Shine. Shine was my song off that one That was my
1: favorite. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. For well, me, like, you know, I know I, I love uh that album, for some Mama Tequila reason, I
0: like, oh, that, oh, I love that one. I'm gonna say good my favorite song was just Shine for some reason. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, with Ian. I had yeah.
0: the end. Yeah. I had, yeah, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. was this fun. Yeah. It was just yeah, different. So. I think I was just different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, different is what we're going to always be, you know, like I've had people say to me, no, dude, you should go up there and just bang out a whole record of hard driving, blah, blah, blah music. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, maybe if we were smart, we would, (laughs) but like, I get what you're saying, buddy. You know, I get that, you know, And, and because the more of a definable, style you have you're easier marketed to, to people you know uh, that's why acdc is really uses the same three chords over and over and over again and somehow gets away with it um you know um there's a funny interview with with angus i think one time and he was like you've been accused of of writing the same song over and over again what do you say to that and he's like yeah <laughs> And uh, your point is what? Like you know, um, you know, because because um, back uh, what's it? backseat rhythm, yeah. And oh, yeah. and um, whole lot of ru- those songs are they're yeah, all they're kind good. of the same riff, but they're so good. The way they play it too,
0: there's something with the timing in those, of the brothers. It's so tight the way they. They're funky,
1: man. Bit. They're funky. What they really them. are. You know what
0: they- it is? It's one of those things, like you say, I know you said this past interview, you used an example, I'll uh, you use yours. Talk about doing like a Thin Lizzy song, and it sounds easy to you to try doing it. If you no, really do a real AC, I know. That, but not you if you're a singer. Song, and you, as, a, as a guitar player, as a real guitar player, do an AC, song, when you get done, you're like, oh my God, my
1: arm. Like, there are certain Well, the thing is, thin the easy. thing is about, the thing is about uh, AC, DC and, because they're basically playing Stone's riff, They're playing Brown Sugar and Bitch is basically what they're playing. Um, you know, variations of, and it's all R&B. Cause there's, if you listen to AC/DC, ZC Top, Aerosmith, all those bands, all funky. They're all danceable. Check them out. Mm-hmm. Even their ZC Top's earlier stuff, it's all funky and danceable, especially when they started doing legs and all those up that, that period, which is also great. It's all really danceable yeah. stuff. The Stones have always been that way. Even if they're doing a dark song, like give me shelter or something. It still makes you want to move your hips, you know. It's it's. Uh, the they're very jazz, aware of, you know, of grooves. Drummers, those bands, you
0: know, great drummers. Know, G- great drummers. G- but the but the drummers are jazz kind of like jazz drummers though too. That makes a huge difference.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, look, uh, uh, Charlie Watts is unbelievable. You know, yeah. very subtly unbelievable. But the thing is, um, my friend uh, was in the drum shop over our old school drum shop. G- Gene Krupa's in the window over there on. On Vine in Hollywood. It's the oldest school joint where you just go and buy drums and drumsticks and shit. He was in there one day right before they closed to get some uh drums, to get some drumsticks. And he heard somebody in the back room. I've, I've heard Stephen play before too. This guy going off, he goes, and he peeked his head in the back room to see who he was playing. It was Stephen Tyler. Really?
0: And yeah. That yeah. And, and
1: that's why I was like, Oh, you know, and I've heard Steven play uh, somewhere else too in another drum shop, same sort of scenario. I was like, who's playing back there? And it was Steven Tyler. Um, not trying to show off. He was the only guy in the joint. You're about to close. Yeah. And now I know why he gives Joy Kramer such a hard time <laughs> all the time <laughs> is because it's when, when you are as good as Steven Tyler is not just on, on drums but on piano and, and you know those guys will not play that then yeah. yeah if you're the drummer you're going to hear shit from the rest of your fucking life
0: yeah <laughs> it's pretty funny that's
1: awesome and Joey's good Ooh, Joey, no. Joey Kramer's good you know but yeah
0: it's hard to get a drummer though Hey, so I want to I this has been pretty cool this has, we, this has probably been like a definitely an offbeat interview which is fun which is never the rules yeah but,
1: yeah, we could to yeah. who you are
0: though, That's what it's about, because you know we we often look at the albums and I, you
1: know having an okay. So I'll talk about cool. one more thing. Let's talk about Where one more thing. Let's on. talk about the book. The yes. book is no, called book. Carrie: Confessions, Confessions to a Dead Lover, and it's um, so it's 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 uh, a punk rock version of the way we were, yeah. or you know, um, or it's Catcher in the Rye, 2022, or it's. Or it's F. Scott Fitzgerald in the twenties, or you know, or it's uh, Kerouac in the fifties, or it's Bukowski in the nineties. That's sort of what the book is like. But I have my own style of writing, kind of a little bit of uh, beat style. I'm kind of, uh, I there's a rhythm to the book, the same way there's a rhythm to Catcher in the Rye, um, which is this amazing book that I just revisited by J.D. Salinger. Um, I don't know if you've read the book. It's, yeah, it's cool. a must read for anybody, man. Um and a book that changed the course of millions of young people over the years from the fifties through now. Uh a book that's been banned in schools and things like that and you know, because it's about a kid that, that just didn't want to put up with um conformity. Um a kid that ends up in a sanatorium, actually. Uh pretty heavy book. But anyways, um the book is if you go to my Facebook page, which is Al Mitchell, um, I'm putting out uh, something tonight that gives you the info for the link, PayPal link to order the book. It's 20 bucks um, and, and shipping uh, and, and all the information will be on there. It's a great read. It's a, it's the best thing I've ever done uh, for music or writing or comics or anything. It's the best thing I've ever done. It's It's the one thing I've been able to sit by myself and make sure it got really right. Um, Whereas usually like if you're in a band with other people, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of variables, not this time, not this way. It's between me and initially um, the, uh, a notebook and a pen is how I start books. I did the first 35 pages, the, uh, the outline, rough outline kind of thing, longhand, which is excruciatingly painful. And slow, but like I just do it, and then I get on the computer and do it. That which is to me is a, it's a word processor because I don't do much with computers, as you know. I don't look, um, you know, <laughs> I go check to see the my, how the Yankees did, and then you know I look at like what's going on around the world, and then I, I use the I use it as a typewriter basically. Anyways, yeah. So um, that's out, and it's I think it came out great, and I hope people go check it out. It could be a great movie. And, and needs to get into the hands of people that are producers and ADs and directors and things like that. Cause it would be a rad movie. And it's about, um, a guy and a girl, uh, me and a girl and that have a really tumultuous relationship. She's got, she's super cool and super heavy and super smart and talented, but she's out of her fucking mind. Um, I'm sure there's people out there that have had those kind of spouses, girls that have had, boys that way and boys that have had girls that way. So I'm not picking sides here. It's just, I have a habit of getting around those, getting involved with those kind of girls anyways, because for some reason they're they're really interesting to me. And they're usually the happiest of all people that I meet. And then in a way the saddest too, which also intrigues me, you know, because I just don't (laughs) want to be around someone that's happy all the time. I just don't, you know, I, I just don't. I probably should. <laughs> I don't but trust I don't.
0: anybody that's happy all the time. Well, of course not. yeah. You're but I mean, anyways, laugh, you're not, me my, my it's, it's anyway. a partly
1: partly truth, partly fiction book, and um, the girl that that's um, the femme fatale in the book is, um, you know, she's got a lot of problems, and um, and so, and I have to deal with that. And find a way to deal with that or not deal with that. And um, that's, you know, so without giving anything away, that's what happens. But it's also involving drug addiction and suicide and friendship and brotherhood and rock and roll and travel and adventure. And um, I kind of wanted to get as many things in there as I let it all hang out sort of, you know. When I I revised the book recently, I put it out a few weeks ago and I revised. I went to do a new cover for it. Started reading it because I really like the book. I'm actually, I know that's one of the seven deadly sins, but I I do have some pride about that book. Um, I just do.
0: People like their own stuff. Like, if you don't like your own stuff and you can't put it out, I mean, I do. No, I do. I love it. I'm not saying that you're supposed to.
1: I do, but I'm also very hard on on myself about it. So when I opened the book, I was just going to do a new cover and call it a a two year COVID anniversary. But when I opened the book, I was like, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, this this is great. And over the first couple of pages, it'll make you cry. I don't care what kind of a tough guy you are, you will cry. And you'll laugh all the way through the book. Both. And the r- last twenty pages are excruciating. Like even when I was writing it, I could barely even deal with that I was I would cry so hard. I'm not ashamed to say that. But anyway, so I, I looked at the book and I was like, dude, you gotta like I know you're gonna hate me for this Al, but you have to you have to hunker down for the next six weeks, next two hundred and fifty hours. You have to do some 16, 17 hour days with a pot of coffee and just you and this fucking laptop that's taped together of yours is falling apart and make this book into the epic thing that you want it to be. So it is Catcher in the Rye. So it is Women by Bukowski. So it is. The Old Man in the Sea by Hemingway. So, I mean, I want to be I want to be up with with those writers um, on that level. Yeah. And and. Lofty ambition, yeah, sure. Uh egotistical, oh yeah, sure. That's in there too, for sure. Um, without that I wouldn't have the drive to do some of this stuff. But but also the people that love that book and I just put a small uh like you know, a hundred copy run on it, but everyone said the right things about it immediately. A lot of people just DM'd me personally, so they didn't put it on Facebook and just wanted me to know what it meant to them in their lives. And those are the people that made me write the book and, and add 50 pages to it, so it's almost twice as big. And um, so it wasn't just it wasn't just me and and all that. It was external forces happening that are, are you know are very I'm very appreciative of because like I said, the same way if a guy comes up to you and says, "Dude, I'm, I was I was in Ukrainian war and you know I heard Fast and Easy" or I heard I picked up your book Confessions to a Dead Lover then that's enough for me, man. I mean, that that just floors me and makes what I do uh, worthwhile. And we're going to end this interview on that note.
0: We will. All right.
1: Right on. Bye.